For those who were not with us last week, we began a new sermon series last week called, Who Are We? Who is God calling us to be as a, as a church, as participants in this church? And it, it may feel like kind of a simple question, like, of course we know who we are as, as a church, as followers of Jesus, but it's kind of a time in the world where it's a good question to dig into. What does it mean to be the church in the world today? And, and more specifically, how do we see ourselves as Clay Church? Who are we as Clay Church? A, uh, a few years ago, as a congregation, we spent some time answering this question. And in that time, we found that the, the story of the walk to Emmaus was a, a foundational piece of the vision that God has given to us. And so, at this time as Clay Church, we're going back to that vision, to be reminded of it, this, this as I said last week, not just, a, not just vision, but it's a, it's a call and an invitation from God to, to each of us to think about how we are living. We're, gonna, we're going back to that story of the walk to Emmaus and exploring it and again and again. Last week, we talked about the first pillar of that vision, which was to embrace every person. We talked about how, how Jesus embraced those as they were walking along the road and how the, the Cleopas and the other disciple embraced Jesus and invited him in off the road with them. And we said, right, that every person, all of us at some point in our lives, we, we walk this road that is filled with despair and struggle and suffering and challenges and loneliness. And, it, and at our deepest human need, we just crave to know that we don't walk alone. So this first part of our vision is about being embraced because we crave, right? We crave being embraced. And I should just say, I didn't say this last week, but a couple of people came up to me afterwards and they're like, like I love hugs, but not everybody loves hugs. Uh, this is bigger than hugs, right? It's, it's that embrace, it's that embrace that says, you matter to me and you matter to God. It's that embrace that says, you're not alone. The first part of our vision is that everyone who encounters us at Clay Church those who come here to our facilities, those that we encounter through our missions, those as the church, those people that you encounter in your neighborhoods, because you are Clay Church, that they would all know the embrace of Christ that says you are loved. God loves you. I love you. We love you. Every person embraced. And, it, and we talked last week about how God just invites us as a church then to imagine that anyone who encounters Clay Church would, would say about us, hey, that's that church. Those are those people that em, just embraces people wherever they are. Today, we're going to look at the same story, but we're going to look at it with a little bit different lens, and we're going to talk about the second pillar of our clay church vision, the second answer to who we are. Would you, uh, would you pray with me? Lord, speak to us gathered in these moments. Share with us your vision for our lives. 
Give us eyes to, to see what you see. Help each one of us to hear the message you have for us today. And just set our hearts on fire, full of the love that you pour into us through your Son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to start by diving into the story of the walk to Emmaus again. If you have Bibles and you want to take a look, it's Luke 24. We're going to start at verse 30 to, to just bring everybody sort of up to speed. Cleopas and the other disciple are walking along the road after the, the death and resurrection of Jesus, and, and a stranger comes up to them. It's Jesus, but they don't know that, and they begin a conversation, and, and Jesus unpacks the scriptures for them. And then they're about to, uh, night has come, they're about to get off the road for the evening, and, uh, and so they invite Jesus, still a stranger to them, off of the road with them. And then we find this, Luke 24, 30 to 32. When he, Jesus, was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Were not our hearts burning? They said. What, is, what does that mean to you? What does it mean for your heart to be burning? Has your heart ever, ever burned for something or, or maybe for some, someone? What does, it, what does it feel like? Has your heart ever been burning after, after you better understood Scripture? When we think about burning, right, the word that often comes to mind is passion. We have passion. I don't know, do you ever, have you ever stopped and just thought how passion Passion is contagious, how, how passion moves people, how one person's passion can multiply into other lives. There's a great quote from theologian and missionary named Albert Schweitzer, and, and he said this, at times our own light goes out and is rekindled by a spark from another person. Each of us has cause to think with deep gratitude of those who have lighted the flame within us. Isn't it a great thought that sometimes, sometimes our flame, our pilot light goes out, but, but someone else comes to know the, the love of Jesus, and, and they're on fire with it. And they share it with us. They embrace us because they want us to know we're not alone, that, that this love can, can conquer anything going on in our lives. And then we can't help but be so filled with this, this love, this, this joy, this, this goodness, this promise of life eternal and salvation that, that we want others to know it. And so that, that passion that's been shared with us, then we take on and we share with others. Passion changes lives. And it's true in other parts of our lives as well, right? If, if we think about it, 
Think of all the, think of all the, the passion that energizes our world, the, the, the businesses that affect our lives every day, right? How did they come to be? Well, well these leaders had, had vision, yes, but they also had passion to, to see that vision come to reality. The movements of, of history, they all, they all stem from men and, and women who had had passion to address an injustice or to, to see a, a dream come to reality, to take up a cause and to, to change the world. The circle back around to faith, you're probably sitting here today because somebody had a passion and, and fire in their heart from Jesus that they wanted to be sure that you experienced as well. Maybe it was a grandparent for you, or a parent, or a family member, an aunt and uncle. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was somebody you met when you walked in the doors of a, of a, of a church building for a worship experience. Maybe it was a, a pastor. Which leads us to think about the second part of, of our Clay Church vision from this foundation of, of the, the heart's burning what if we were on fire as a church to share the love of Jesus with others who don't know that love? What if we were on fire as a church? Can we sit here and know this love that has transformed our lives, that is, is broken through so that we know that we're never alone? Can we, can we sit knowing this love and, and, and know that other people don't know that kind of love? aren't embraced by it? What does it look like to ignite that kind of passion in us? And how, how might we ignite that fire in us? John Wesley, he founded the Methodist movement that has led us to become the United Methodist Church of today. And, and in that, he grounded an understanding of what it meant to to be people of God, and he hoped for this kind of passion for the movement in the church. He said this in, in some of his writings. He said, give me 100 men. Let me just pause for a moment. It was a different time. I am convinced that if Wesley had been around today, he would have said men and women, right? Give me 100 men and, and women who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I care not whether they be clergymen or laymen. They alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven upon earth. 100 passionate followers, John Wesley said, could change the world. More than 100 people will worship at Clay Church this very day. So what if we tapped into this passion that the Holy Spirit gives and said boldly with passions ignited that we're going to lead hundreds more, even thousands of more people to know the embrace of Jesus Christ in their lives? And then the question becomes, okay, so how do we ignite this passion? Where does it begin and for that, we're going to take another look a little more deeply at this story of Cleopas and the other disciple. Right? We left the story a moment ago right after they recognized Jesus. But the story doesn't end there. We pick it up in verse 33. It says, They, Cleopas and the other disciple, got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. 
There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So now we, we see this story. They invite Jesus in. They embrace him. He breaks bread and they recognize who he is. And then a quick note here, because it's easy to get hung up on the fact that Jesus disappeared. I don't know, when I was a kid, I remember hearing this walk to Emmaus story, and it's like, whoa, did he just like vanish like a magician? Um, but don't get too hung up there. The, the word for disappeared, it also could just mean like he left their sight. So it, it could just be he walked out at that moment after they, after they recognized him. But whatever the case, don't get so hung up there, because you'll miss the two really important things in this text. The first right? The first is what they say right after Jesus is gone. Weren't our hearts burning as Jesus opened the scriptures to us? Something happened in them as they began to see that the scriptures pointed to Jesus and resurrection and salvation. Something something clicked inside of them and they couldn't sit on this news, right? It was stirring them up, which leads us to the second thing that was said in the scripture, and it's kind of easy to miss this, they got up at once and headed out. Now, a little context about this line. If you would to go home, if you would go home today and, and Google Wadi Kelt or um, ancient Jerusalem road, you could try that as well. You'll likely get a chance in, in the images that are there to see some of the landscape right around Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the city on a hill. It sits up on a hill, and it's in the midst of, of hills all around it, right? And you might be like, okay, so what does that have to do with at once? Well, when you see the rugged terrain and the hills that are right around Jerusalem, you begin to realize that traveling these roads was not easy, it was dangerous, and you certainly wouldn't want to be on these roads at night, right? For one, if you couldn't see where you were going, right, imagine there are no flashlights here, right? So if you lose your flame, you don't have any light. Um, And if you were to slide off the side of a road, there are deep ravines and ditches and even cliffs that you could slide off into. But the even greater danger was thieves and bandits, which in the time of Jesus would would be all around the roads, and they could be waiting around any, any turn. Which helps us understand in this story, Cleopas and the other disciple, they were getting off of the road at night. Why? Well, because it's dangerous. And they invite Jesus to come off of the road with them, presumably to keep him safe, the stranger safe as well. Which makes what happens next in this passage all the more remarkable They've just had dinner and broken bread with Jesus. This is not breakfast, right? It's still night, but now, but now it says they go at once. They left into the night. They're going to travel through the night because this this news that they have is too good to sit on. Their passions are ignited, and they are not going to wait. This is not simmering passions. This is ignited passions. They're going to go and they're going to find the other disciples, and they're going to figure out how to tell what they have experienced to tell about the resurrected Jesus. So they go at once. 
They don't wait till morning. They don't wait till the time is right. This news that they've been given, it won't wait. This call that God has put on their hearts, it's not for some future time, it's now. When we read the Bible, when we, when we open ourselves to, to hear God's call to share this, this witness to Jesus' resurrection, the power of God's grace, then our call, like Cleopas and the other disciple, is not just to, to let that simmer, but it's to go. It's to do. It's to share the good news it's not to let worry stand in our way or, or the fear of what people will think about what we're doing or, or what we're saying. It's to boldly step into what God is, is calling us to next. Passions ignited. And how do we do that? Well, we do it through the, through the gifts and the talents and the experiences that, that God has given to us. It's to go knowing that if we'll just put Christ at the center of our lives, God will use everything that God's given us to change lives and to change the world in small ways sometimes and big ways sometimes, lots of times in ways we'll never see quite often in ways that we can't even imagine right now. And before we think that we've just drawn this out of a single scripture, this message of living into our passions and, and letting our hearts burn and, and doing something about it appears again and again and again in scripture. Mark 12, verse 30. So love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. This is the message translation. You might know this as love the Lord with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. But, but note the word for heart, it's, it's passion. It's what drives you. Set yourself on fire with the love of God for others. Romans 12, 11, don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. I don't know what your experience is of how people see church in the world, but I'm not sure enthusiastic is in the list of adjectives that people say. What would it look like for Clay Church to live enthusiastically in the world so that people are like, yeah, that church is, those people are enthusiastic about what they're doing and what God is doing in their midst. Enthusiastic. Be on fire in the Spirit as you serve the Lord. 2 Timothy 1.6, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. Fan into flame the gift of God. This is our vision. Passions ignited, fanning into flame the gifts that God has given us. And here's the incredible thing. We, we kind of know what this looks like. Let me tell you a few stories of what, this, of what this looks like. Sue and Jean, members of Clay Church, they saw a need in our congregation. There were some people that were hungry. Members of the church, handful of families, two or three families, and that they had this passion from God. They, that God set their hearts on fire to say, nobody should be hungry in our midst. And so they started a, a little church food pantry. 
to feed those two or three families. That passion, it continued to burn that there should not be hungry people around us. And so that little food pantry that started in seven days last week served over 400 families. Passions ignited. Juliana sat in worship, heard a call from God to pursue the passion that was in, in her life, caring for the families of children who have cancer in Kenya. Kenya is her native country, and I don't know how much you know about the healthcare system in, in Kenya, but um, access to care for kids with cancer is not great. And even when you can get access to a hospital and, and treatments, there aren't like Ronald McDonald houses where the parents can stay and be cared for and, um, and nurtured while the, while the child is going through this experience, let alone sort of hospice care for those that are, are not going to make it. And so Juliana's heart was set on fire for these families and these kids, and, and she worked with friends, and she worked with people she knew in Kenya, and she worked with people she knew at Clay Church, and she arranged some, some funding and started a ministry. It's called On Eagle's Wings, and it is now walking with families through this incredibly difficult time in Kenya in their lives making sure families whose children have cancer know the love of Jesus. Suzanne is a, a member who had a passion for helping kids and, and families and, and serving them with dignity and, and opportunity. And, and she sat on a Sunday morning and, and heard us talking about passion, and, and she knew about this ministry that was happening in Indianapolis where instead of just collecting school supplies and giving them to the schools, which is what we had been doing and, and doing a wonderful doing in wonderful ways. It was an opportunity for kids to come and get their school supplies before they arrived at school and to pick out a, a backpack and to, and to pick out some things that could be their own for, for school when it started. And Suzanne put together a, a, a team and, and we wrapped resources around that effort and Backpack and Beyond was born. And this year we gave out 500 backpacks and I'm guessing over 1,000 books and, uh, um, and an opportunity for families to connect to get school um, clothes and other resources. James is a part of this community, and his heart was stirred by God when he had an opportunity to, to participate in a pack-away hunger program in another community. And he came back and he, he said, is there any reason the church couldn't do this, this pack-away hunger program? And we said, no, if you have the, the passion and energy, we'd, we'd be happy to do that. James, he had a passion for feeding people but he, and, and, and addressing mission around the world, but he also had a passion for getting families involved in serving together and ministry together so that kids were raised with this joy of, of servanthood as, as he knew it. So James connected with friends and family, business colleagues, and planted Packaway Hunger here at Clay Church, where we have packed over one million meals, and even more exciting, have watched families get involved in ministry together. Jesse saw Clay Church plant a unity garden and felt a passion to see it grow. She responded to this passion to, to God's call by stepping in to lead the effort, coordinating volunteers, which I can tell you for a garden is no easy task. 
planting and, and watering. She and her husband built a stand to put the produce out so people could see it, to see that it was available. And then they came back and helped put together the gazebo that sits by the, by the garden now. Every week, people from the community come Come by, neighbors, food pantry guests, people in need, people who just want fresh produce. And I don't know, those of you who saw it in its first year, I, I don't want to insult anybody who helped the first year, but it, it was a little sad in its first year. You should go see it now. It is just producing fruit every week. Passions ignited. Seven years ago, when we first talked about this pillar of our vision, igniting passions to serve where God calls, I actually gave a sermon and I inserted a, a story that I had created that imagined a unity garden. We didn't have one at the time. It kind of imagined a, a unity garden and all the different ways that people could connect in ministry to it. Today, seven years later, I don't, I don't have to imagine a story. These things are happening. God is doing these things because of, because of this vision right? We can tell stories like the mother who was connected through the food pantry but had cancer. And, and because it wasn't just about giving food but about caring for the soul, I had an opportunity to go and baptize her. And then when she passed, an opportunity to walk the family through that time of, of grief help them know they are part of God's family. The family can tell the story connected through backpacks who, who came to visit, play church because they wanted to see, like, where did, what, what is the source of this, of this love that you all share? The family that got involved in Pack Away Hunger and did it a couple of years in a row and then came to me and said, we want this experience for our kids, not just like once a year, but how could we get involved? How could we get involved and, and now serve once a month with their family in, in ministry? Now, you'll notice something about all these stories, or I hope you can notice something about these stories. That's important as we think about this vision of igniting passions Igniting passions is not having a great idea and then telling Sue Zumbrin that this is what the church should do. Okay, let me just pause there and make sure you know. This, igniting passions is not having an idea and telling someone else to do it. Particularly Sue. I, I can tell you that Sue is on fire for God. Her passion is ignited. In fact, sometimes we have to douse Sue with water because because there's so much passion, the, the flames can be all-consuming for Sue, right? Instead, igniting passion is about each of us following where God leads. It's about not asking the church to do something, but saying to the church family, I've, I've got this vision that God has planted on my heart. I've got this passion. Um, can you help me make this a reality? And then watching what God does to bring the community around it to, to make it happen. Remember Cleopas and the, and the other disciple, when they felt the passion, they didn't go like, yeah, well, well, we'll tell some people about it and let them go. They didn't like sit on it and be like, yeah, someday we'll do that. No, they went at once. 
and they shared the message that Jesus had put on their hearts. They went out despite the fears. They didn't worry. They, they went out because their hearts were burning. And the story that they told, the mission of, of planting more churches, more groups where people would know the love of God, it changed the face of the world as they did it with a community together. With this vision that we've been given by God, stories like the ones I told today, they're going to keep they're going to keep happening because God is at work in this community. And lives are going to be impacted by the love of Jesus in ways that we can't even imagine as we sit here right now today. Because we're going to empower young people and, and youth to dream big dreams about how God is calling them to share the love of Jesus. And because some of us are going to receive visions and ideas for sharing Christ's love and, and the church is going to wrap networks around that and, and make that happen so that more people are embraced in that love. And some of us who are sitting here right now are like, I, I don't have that kind of vision. I don't have a dream right now. Some of us are going to be called and sent a call in our lives that right now, we're not the ones leading these ministries, but we have resource and, and time and, and energy to give, and we're going to wrap around those who are, who are out there leading, leading the way to make these ideas become a reality. God will use our passions to impact lives and change the world in small ways, in big ways, in unseen ways, in ways we haven't imagined. Isn't that exciting to think about? So let me invite you to hear this message today. The world needs you. People who don't know God's embrace, they need you. And th there's somebody here today, and God's been nudging you, like God's been at work in your heart, and you've been like, I don't know, God, that, that seems too big, or, or I don't know, God, I, it, it might not be the time in life to, to do that. But somebody here, the Spirit's been working on you, and you've had a nudge to, to reach out and, and impact lives um, through a ministry, and, and I hope today you'll just hear God saying, go for it. I've got you. I planted that idea there. Just go for it. Go at once like Cleopas and the other disciple. And somebody is sitting here today and thinking, well, there's, there's not really much that I can do because of where I'm at right now in life. And I hope you hear the Spirit say, do you know what? There are small ways as, way as, as big ways. It's not all about just the big dreams. It's about the, the small everyday acts of, of kindness and, and doing something. It's about seeing the vision of others and helping them make that happen. You matter. You have a gift to offer as the body of Christ, as this church. And there are some here today who, who are, are thinking, I, I don't know how I, how I fit in. I, I haven't thought much about my story even mattering. And perhaps you can hear through this story today, you can just hear, hear God whispering, your story, it's, it's part of my story. The other disciple didn't have a name. It's not about who you are, your name. It's, it's about the fact that you're, you're created by me. And I'm going to use your passion to impact lives and change the world in, in small ways, in big ways, in unseen ways, in ways you can't even imagine. 
My prayer for us is that Scripture might be opened up to tell us about the love and grace of Jesus Christ and that our hearts today will just be set on fire to go and enthusiastically spread this good news into the world. May God ignite our passions to serve where God calls, to witness to a love that knows no bounds, and thus to change lives and neighborhoods and communities with the love of Jesus. Amen. Um, I'm sensing a need to take a few moments and just think about those places that maybe God is stirring up in you right now. So we're just going to play for just a few moments and, and we'll sing some. And, uh, but may this be a time that the Spirit nudges and awakens you're nervous, that's probably the thing that you're supposed to be pursuing.